Well, I'm just going to ask that you would forgive me before I get started this morning. Um, just want to say I'm sorry. Ask for your forgiveness. Anytime Josh puts down on the schedule for me to speak for 12 minutes, I want to apologize to you ahead of time. So I know you're six feet apart, but would you kind of look at the neighbor not too far from you and say, I forgive pastor. Would you go ahead and let him know that? <clears throat> Nine pages of notes for 12 minutes. I, I don't know how we're going to do that. I'm going to ask this morning, would you open your Bibles? And uh, what a great privilege we have today. Opening our Bibles. Isn't that wonderful? Opening our Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. <laughs> and some of you are saying, wow. Go ahead and look at the table of contents. It's 787 in my Bible. Uh, just a few books from the end of your Old Testament. If you let your Bibles fall open kind of to the middle and hang a right there, uh, it shouldn't be too far. The book of Habakkuk. In history, one of the most interesting elements, uh, really, I think, that's ever been explored is in American history in the year 1927. It's fascinating to me because um, right off the coast of of uh, mass there at Cape Cod area, about a mile from Cape Cod, one of the U.S. submarines. Now, think about this, 1927. We know World War, World War I was 1418. We know World War II, 4145. So kind of tucked away in between those two world wars off the eastern coast of the United States, one mile off the eastern coast was a submarine at that time designated as the SS-4. It was on just a, a routine mission in which they were doing some maintenance items. And of all the things, a Coast Guard vessel runs into the submarine and it sinks. 41 members of the crew were on board at that moment. They quickly did what submarine folks know to do. They locked down every compartment the submarine was damaged badly enough that it took it all away to the very bottom of the ocean. And there, a rescue mission in December in those frigid waters ensued in 1927, just a mile off the U.S. eastern coast. And in the midst of that, as that was ensuing, rescue missions began to start immediately. And uh, it was during that first day of rescue operations that everybody was aware that uh, there was only a limited amount of air. And to get those 41 individuals out of that submarine, it was going to take a great rescue mission. And in the midst of that first day, there was a tapping noise from the Ford torpedo uh, compartment. Seven sailors had tucked their way into that Ford compartment, secured the door, and were surviving off the remaining oxygen there. And as divers had made their way down to the vessel, to the submarine, uh, they communicated by Morse code. History tells us that the, the Navyman inside of that submarine tapped out this message, is there hope? What a, what a penetrating question in the midst of circumstances. Is there hope? And on this morning, as we come worship with what, maybe one-fifth of our worshipers, maybe one-sixth today, that's kind of where we are. It's where we are as a nation. We're asking our questions, hey, Lord, is there hope? 
I mean, all of us bring to this place of worship today some immense questions. We bring health questions. A number of our seniors have told us during their lifetime they've never seen anything like this. Smallpox, polio, whatever. Hey, those, those things, uh, man, they, they never shut down economies and worlds around us. We come today politically asking questions. Doesn't matter what political party you're affiliated with today. Does character still count? Are there there good, qualified, godly leaders out there that can lead our nation? We can put on a cool red, white, and blue front today, but at the very heart of it, we're asking ourselves that question. There are questions about the economy. There's questions about democracy in general. How far do you go until anarchy and chaos take over? And so, man, if there's ever been a day in year 2020 in American history, we come with some of those questions. But the encouraging thing for us today should be that we need to remember we're not the only group of people that's ever asked those kind of questions. In fact, our Bibles are filled with people that have asked those questions. I've selected for us today one of the generations of people that have asked such questions. I believe that the Bible tells us something that's important for us to take away to the lunch hour today, to this completion of this Independence Weekend. The book of Habakkuk speaks volumes into where you and I are, the things that we're facing. Common language, simple understanding, things that you and I can relate to so readily. Habakkuk was what we know in the Old Testament as someone called a prophet. We know in the Old Testament, God called aside men and women at different points of time and had them be his oracle. He was their mouthpiece. He was the mouthpiece for God. She was the mouthpiece for God, speaking into a group of people that had different challenges and different struggles. Habakkuk happened to be a prophet just before what we know as Babylonian exile, a time, a, a terrible time in Israel's history, a time that we ha- are able to go back in our Old Testament and see that they had swung way over out into no man's land. So many of them began to worship other gods, and so many of them that even refused to worship other gods were worshiping themselves. The Israelite nation had become so greedy and selfish. And one of the things that's so astounding to me today is the comparison of that group of people and the comparison of America, year 2020. I mean, think about the nation of Israel, just that name, Israel, God's chosen. If there was ever a group of people that had God's blessing and his hand upon them, it was that time and that nation. And when I think about America 2020, man, if there's ever been a nation over the last several hundred years that has been so anointed and blessed of God, it's America. And so as we think about these questions And the questions that were asked in that day and time with your Bibles open, here's what, and we'll just pick just a few of the verses. I remember that 12 to 15 minute curfew, okay? I remember that. But in Habakkuk chapter one, many of you are aware, three little simple chapters, an incredible read. 
I did this in my devotional just a couple of weeks ago, and God just did some incredible things as I was working through these three chapters all over again. But it was like it was fresh and new. And Habakkuk starts off by asking God some questions. In the middle of chapter one and all the way down through chapter two, we see God answering some of those questions. And then when you get to chapter three, it's really more of a thanksgiving of Habakkuk. He's offering up a time of worship and thanksgiving to God. But in Habakkuk 1, he begins by just saying this, the prophecy of Habakkuk, the prophet received Habakkuk's complaint. Here's what it was. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict that abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked, him and the righteous, so the justice is perverted. And I just wonder, could Habakkuk been watching our evening news the last few days? Just asking. Could Habakkuk be, could he have been sitting in the chair next to us? Any of the last 25, 30 days watching, our e- watching the evening news, could you and I be asking the exact identical same questions? God, do you see hundreds of thousands of people dying of this virus? <laughs> Don't you see? God, you see people, there's anarchy and chaos in our streets. And what once was such a strength, this melting pot, seems to be dissolving into craziness. And leadership, where are our leaders? When we most need them and count on them. Wow. Look over in verse number 12 and 13 in that first chapter. Lord, are you not everlasting? Habakkuk says, aren't you the everlasting God? My God, my Holy One. You will never die. Aren't you the everlasting God? Habakkuk's just asking God again. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the, the, the treacherous? Why are you silent? The, the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. Incredible question. I just jotted down in my notes, just for simplicity's sake, really two key prongs that Habakkuk asked, two sets of questions in the midst of these Babylonians and Chaldeans that were about to put the Israelites to the sword and exile them from their special place of life. He asked really two questions, how long, verses one through four, how long is this going to go on? You and I, our ears are tied to that word, the V word, the word vaccine. How long, Lord? Well, Fauci says by the end of the year, by this, these, well, well before. Well, these, hey, the virus may migrate, we'll get a vaccine, it'll be something else then. And you and I are just asking a very similar question, how long? And then that incredible question, that Job had asked as well, God, why are you silent? Don't you see this? And the answers. I just think it's important that you and I understand that one of the takeaways that we can just put our arms around today is the simple fact that our God 
is much more involved and he's doing more than you and I think. Well, why do you say that, Pastor? Because in these moments of pandemics and craziness, in these moments, one generation after another, we begin to see a pattern that emerges. You know, people in general ask the question over and over again, Lord, don't you see? Don't you see all these people dying? Don't you see that it's unfair for a nursing home? Those are the most helpless of people in our society. Of all the people, people laying up there with all of these health challenges at the very apex and the the, the very end of their lives, they should be able to die with dignity. Lord, don't you see that? Lord, don't you see this anarchy? Lord, don't you see... Moses asked that, didn't he? Moses asked the Lord, Lord, don't you see your people in slavery? 400 years. Don't you see that? Aren't you aware of that? And time and time again, history provides us a roadmap. We're able to look back at this moment with Habakkuk and we should be able to look ahead in our days and understand that God is still at work and he sees and knows all things. Have we forgotten? Are we asking today out of the very curiosity of our hearts or out of the inadequate faith of our hearts? Lord, don't you see And today the Holy Spirit with a resounding word should come back and speak into our hearts and say, of course I see. We're also reminded not only does the Lord see and is he much more involved than we ever think he is, but it's important to know that the Lord is always keeping an account. You know, I I, I was reminded, look in chapter 2, we won't read it, but look in chapter 2, verses 9 and following. Do you see a word that starts cropping up, a little W word, time and time again, Habakkuk 2, down there around verse 9 or so, do you see the little word, woe? All of a sudden, as God in in, in his answering, he, he begins to speak to Habakkuk and he says, woe is a people that does this, woe is a people that do this, woe is a leader that does this, and, and we are reminded that our Lord is aware of every single thing that is going on, and that ought to be encouraging for the journey. It's almost as if God is saying, hey Habakkuk, don't worry, I've got this, <laughs> I'm well aware, and you know, what should our response be today. Over in Habakkuk chapter number two, look down in verse number four at the very end of that verse. Again, it's an incredible moment. Wish we had more time, but the righteous person, look at the end of verse four. The Lord says, but the righteous person will live by his what? By his faithfulness. Can I just encourage you quickly today? In chapter two in verse one, How do you and I, how can we live faithfully? In a few hours, I'm going to go sit down at my desk and I've got to make a very important decision. I've got to make a decision if we're going to continue to meet or not. We've had an outbreak in our CDC. It's closing down tomorrow morning, 
for the next several weeks. I've had people soliciting all week, Pastor, what, what are we doing as a Christian community? We need to be leading the way. Close the doors. Just a tough time. Got others that say, you're, you're joining in the group that's ripping our freedom, telling us we can't go to church. But you know, a question that we all should be asking right now, how can we, in whatever setting we're in, whether we're sheltering in place or wearing a mask, or how can we be faithful through these moments? And I just invite you to walk away, take away moment for us today on this conclusion of Independence Weekend. Three things I just want to toss out to you. I'll not elaborate on them. I feel the timer behind me. Josh has got it back there. It's just, it's ticking. But in chapter 2, verse 1, just want you to see these incredible words. Look at it. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I would just suggest to you that you and I are to wait in faith. Now, we understand what I'm sharing with you here. Waiting is not, waiting in faith is not inactivity or apathy. It's, it's not about being defeated. Waiting in faith is expectant faith. It's faith that is praying faith. I love what Henry Blackaby, the question he asked many years ago, any of you ever take that experiencing God and that experiencing God movement? Blackaby asked this question. It's a penetrating question. He said, if revival in America depended on your prayer life, would there be revival? And one of the things that you and I, out of the history of God's word, should be able to take and recycle and use now is the fact that our first call to faithfulness is that we are to wait in faith. Man, these are tough days to wait in. How long, O oh Lord? We all ask that. But look at the second part of verse 2. Not just wait in faith, but watch in faith. I will look, now look at this phrase in the NIV, I will look to see, do you see that? I will look to see what he will say to me, and what answer I am to give this complaint. To watch in faith is the second step of that faithfulness. Waiting in turn turns to watching. This probably means we keep watching because it is not always obvious what God is doing. His ways are greater than our ways. His ways are not our ways. And we've got to wait and to watch. But just a third thing quickly, we've got to be willing to worship in faith. You get over to chapter 3, all that waiting and watching turns into worship and activity. The reason for worship, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 20, I wish we had more time. Chapter 2 verse 20, Habakkuk says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The worship. Now, I'm not suggesting today that you and I are to abandon the call of political activism and to vote and all those things. I'm just asking you today to consider this perspective. 
A call of victory for us in the year 2020 is the same as the call to victory in that day and time that Habakkuk was ministering. A call to victory is not for us about something going on in Washington, but it's more about something going on in heaven. Just consider the perspective that victory is not so much about the Constitution, but about a cross. A real victory is not so much about more laws, less laws, better laws, but the strict observance of God's holy law. And I just wonder today that maybe our hearts are not so geared to political victory that we've forgotten that the only true victory will happen in repentance and revival. The S... S4, when it sank in 1927 in those December cold waters, the first series of messages were from the rescuers tapping on the outside of the hull. They got through all of those common questions, are you alive? Yes, tap, tap. Um, How many of there are you? Seven which was not correct because there were just seven in the forward compartment. (laughs) But after they got through those kind of questions, those inside in that Ford torpedo room tapped out in Morse code a simple question, is there hope? The rescuers at that moment did not answer. They went back up to the surface vessel, asked the commander up there, how should we answer that question? And history tells us very quickly they sent another set of rescue divers down and they began to actually tap out the answers. In reference to your hope question, here's what they tapped out. Simple answer, there is hope. As few words as possible, everything possible being done. Two and a half days later, when rescuers and weather cleared, the weather was evidently horrific. When they were finally able to attach airlines and get it into that submarine, it was too late. All 41 U.S. sailors perished. And it wasn't until March of that next year they actually were able to bring the vessel up and tow it into dry dock in which 28 years more life was put into that vessel. It wasn't until four months later in March when they did resurface that vessel to tow it into dry dock that they were able to discover in each of the compartments where men actually died, there were extra unused oxygen flasks that were never used. And at that moment, it just brought up all kinds of questions. Did the men just know they were there and they didn't use oxygen? That probably could have saved them because by that time, with that additional oxygen, the rescue lines would have done it. Or did they just not know it was there in the panic of flooding and the cold and no doubt as batteries ran down the darkness, just inches away 
was the possibility for them to live. And today, we too ask ourselves on this patriotic independence weekend of celebration, is there hope? And I would just encourage you to be reminded that our nation needs to reach for its oxygen, the life-giving power of our Lord God Almighty. May God bless America. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, on this Lord's Day, we gather in really uncertain times. Maybe we could think back uh, years ago in the midst of a great depression, and maybe there were some Sundays that people gathered with very little to eat, poverty-stricken and destitute. Maybe we could think back even further into middles of middle of civil wars and death and destruction across our nation as we were killing each other. We think back into these times of war, famine and pestilence. And each and every time you've always brought America through those dark days. So, Father, could we be astute enough today to learn from history, to learn from how you have acted and how you have communicated to your people during these kind of moments? So, Father, today we want and we desire to be a people of faithfulness. And so we wait. We wait with great anticipation of what you are going to do serving and doing our part of whatever we're called on to be great citizens of this nation, to help our brother and to love our brothers and sisters. And Father, we also watch. We watch to see what your hand is about to do. And Father, we will worship. We'll worship you. Even in dark days and in days of uncertainty. So today, as we sing about the very God of the ages and the God of eternal hope, as we worship you, we do so not in the most of pleasant of times, but it will not shrink our faith away. We will not turn from you, but in these moments, we will cling to you with everything in us. Father, we pray for our nation today. We pray for those that have lost life. We pray for our leaders today. Father, oh, we pray for a time that there'll be godly men and women in every position of government that will seek your face and your will and your wisdom. And Father, would you just put your perspective in us to understand that it's obedience of your word that is so very important and it's that important lifeline of prayer that connects us to you where we can communicate with you and talk with you. Lord, would you rescue once again our nation? Would you bring peace? Would you bring tranquility and health? Would you bring us to a place of, again, prosperity? Father, we love you and we worship you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.